You know, just realizing during this time over six months now, there there's some people from our church. Go ahead, have a seat. There's some people from our church I have not seen for six months. So uh, just say, shout out to you a great hello and uh, and send our love to you and thank God for you. And even when we are separated, we are not separated. There is no such thing as social distancing with us who are, who are Christians. We might be physically distanced, but we're never separate. We are always joined together as one body, and, uh, and miles can't stop that. And uh, we thank God for that. Don't let it discourage you. Just stay encouraged because God is still up to something, isn't he? Hey, we're in our third week of vision. Get my Bible ready here. We're in our third week of vision. And, uh, and this is our second week of sowing into the vision. And as Pastor Jez said, we want to congratulate everybody who last week filled out one of these. And you made a pledge towards our vision. The board and the staff are believing for $250,000 in these months leading up to June. And the amazing things that's done with that, you know, reaching out into the community. Pastor Karen, you're there. You can shout out. How many food hampers have we given away? About 65 in the last few months. Yeah, wow, isn't that incredible? And that's because of your vision sewing. And we also heard through Margie, who just retired from being cap manager, the millions of dollars that were literally, millions, isn't it? What was it? Three million dollars. I'm glad you did that signal to me. Uh, Three million dollars people saved through counseling, debt relief, all kinds of things. So well done, Margie. Again, that's your faithful giving church. And so uh, we want to congratulate you. And we want to thank God for you because we hit our target last year. We're going to do it again this year. And later in the service today, you'll get a chance to sow into this if you haven't done it yet. So, hey, the first week of Vision Sunday, which was a week after Father's Day here in Australia, we announced the exciting news of the transition of leadership and the joining together of our campuses. Uh, it's, It's like the children of Israel who were on the edge of possessing God's promises. We saw that we had to go through this change of where we were at to where God wanted us to be. We had to say, we got to come out of something to get into something. You, you just can't keep feet in both camps, so to speak. And we also saw that we had to have a change of thinking like the children of Israel. They had to change from being wanderers to being conquerors. And it can take place in here before it takes place out there. And so uh, we also saw the necessity of the change of leadership. That was week one. Week two, last week. Pastor Nate highlighted key elements in the vision. We just talked about impact into the community for the kingdom of God. And, uh, and we have been able to continue to do that through our Victory Center. Pastor Karen is the uh, manager of our Victory Center and things still happen. And she told me a bit over a week ago, we, we received another grant towards the work that's being done here, which is awesome. But also for the first time ever in the history of Victory, and we are 76, 77 years old as a church, for the first time ever in our history, we gained PBI status, which means your giving to the vision is tax deductible because of the work that we're doing in the community. We expect it's not going to be thwarted during this time, but accelerated. And so it's, it's just influencing, and, and Pastor Nate brought that up last week, but he talked about the mandate that comes with the blessings that we receive. There is the mandate to be a blessing. It's not just about what we get and being blessed. It's also what we do in becoming a blessing. You are blessed to be a blessing. But he used a dirty word at the end of that. Oh, yeah, starts with an O. It's a dirty word in today's society, obedience. That's right. And you know, the Bible says that God prefers obedience even over sacrifice because that's the heart. 
And, and today, if you talk about obey and obedience, it's like you're asking somebody to be a slave. And yet God says, I'd rather have your heart than anything else. It's better to obey than to sacrifice. And you see, for us to move in the vision, we've got to be obedient as God's kids. By the way, you can have faith, but faith is inactive without obedience. It's just powerless without obedience. And you see, both of those messages set us up for today. And I honestly believe, it's a good thing when a preacher says honestly, isn't it? You know, I'm not preaching now, I'm telling the truth. Okay. <laughs> I believe that God has set us up for this day for some time. Um, and while this is the final message in our vision series for this year, it's not just about a vision. It's about the work that God's been planning for us for quite some time, this new work in a new way. And you know, as I, as I kind of thought this over more than a week and I've been preparing, I, I'm convinced that this message is prophetic today. It's a prophetic call to each one of us to get ready. And you need to get ready because it's, it's going to get a little bit robust in a couple of places. And I'm going to do that because I think this is probably, probably my final vision sermon to the people of victory. So I, I, you can sack me next week. It doesn't matter. I'm, you know, um, however, however, I believe it's going to be prophetic. Um, and I don't mean prophetic in telling the future. I mean prophetic in declaring for us to go into the future. It's, it's, it's forth-telling today, not foretelling. So if you've got your Bible, go to Joshua chapter 3. We love the Bible, don't we? Yeah. Joshua chapter 3. I'll just have some green tea. This is green tea. The strong stuff. You know, before we kind of entered into Father's Day and vision, we had a series on revival called Deeper. Um, I need to say a couple of things there because I'm not convinced yet that you guys have caught the desire to go deeper. Now, I'm not accusing. I'm just observing. I think we've got some ways to go because I wonder if inside our hearts we think deeper is just getting a little bit more of the same. Okay? And I've heard people saying, oh, I just, and I just can't wait till we get back to normal. And I don't know what they say. We don't like the way things are right now, but I don't think we will ever, ever again be normal in the sense of the way we were. And I, I think God's designed it that way because the way we were was not reaching our cities for Christ. And I've heard people saying, you know, I just can't wait till we can meet again in church like we used to. And I, look, again, I understand you miss each other, and that's an awesome thing. But the deal is this. If we go back to what we used to be like, we're not really much better than a club. I'm sorry, but what we were like was not fulfilling the vision and the mandate to influence a city for the kingdom of God. Going deeper means we must become different in here. We can't go back to the way we were. God didn't send us down this road so we could be the same. Or go back. The, the language of going back is like the language of the Israelites saying, we want to go back to Egypt. It's comfortable. And the children of Israel, had, man, they learned this lesson a hard way. Forty years in the wilderness. And I don't know about you. But I don't know. I got 40 years left. And I'm believing for revival in the great Southland. So here at Joshua chapter 3, we see them at the edge of the promised land. They're ready to cross now. However, there were things that must happen before they could cross. 
There are things that must happen before we cross over into our vision, into the new. So in Joshua chapter 3, we're going to start reading at verse 1. If you've got a Bible with you, I'm reading from the New King James this morning. It will go up on screen for you and uh, you can follow. We're just going to do a little bit at a time and break. So Joshua chapter 3, verse 1, follow along with us. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and they lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp. Pause. I believe the key phrase in that section of Scripture is before they crossed over. I mean, they, they had been wandering for 40 years, you know, and they're, they're, they're chomping at the bits, and we can't wait to get out of this desert kind of experience and get into where there's milk and honey and grapes so large of a cluster that men carry them on their shoulders, and we can't wait. Come on, Joshua, get us over there. And they get to the edge of the river, and it must have shocked them. <gasps> as they looked at the river. Because before the children of Israel could cross over, they had to had some things made clear to them. It's like God goes, stop, just sit still for three days. And you know what needed to happen? They had to have a time of clarity. You will not get a time of clarity by being busy. Busyness will rob you of sight. And I'm talking about visionary sight. Here they are sitting still. And what they faced was made clear to them. They look at this river. It's springtime. All the snow from the north at Mount Hermon had melted, and it's rushing down through the Jordan Valley. It is so wild and so deep, it has broken the banks. They can't even get close. It's a torrent rushing by. We know what that's like in Australia when we get floods. We see people swept away because they dare to step into waters they think they can negotiate. Bam, they're gone. And these people are standing there. And can you imagine that every day they get up and they look at that? Can you imagine what went through their head and their heart? How are we going to do this? How are we going to get across? We're talking an army of about 400,000 people. Not, not all the people, just the army alone. Tens of thousands looking at this thing going, Oh, my goodness. You didn't tell us it was going to be like that, Joshua. You didn't tell us we we're going to have to face this before we face that. And then on the other side of it, we're going to face Jericho, the first city, the biggest city. The walls are so wide on that city, they race chariots side by side on top of it. What the? I think even Joshua looked at it and went, okay, God. You know, you know the one thing about God, I'm going to talk to him about this when I get to heaven. Like, how come you tell us to obey suddenly and then you take a long time to move? It's like, you know, it's all right for you. You're the ancient of days. You live forever. I don't live that long. Get on with it. And I find when I try to rush God, he waits. He waits. But he calls me to wait. Before you cross over, you need to see this. And there they are camping. They're looking. And it's clear to them. We need to hear from God because there's no way we, can, we can't build a bridge. We can't do a rock bridge. We, we can't swim it. Um, we can't find a place where it's lower and go across a ford somewhere. How are we going to get across? Especially Joshua needed to hear as the leader. Now I'm going to say something. Passing on the baton. So I'm going to say this here and now. I believe Pastors Knight and Rach, our future leaders, are hearing from God. And I believe they are getting 
uh, ways to take us into the new. And they're not rushing it. And they're not going to rush it just because you want to hear it. Wait patiently. But I know I can guarantee you they are hearing God for the future of victory to cross over into the promises of God. But you know the other thing that was made clear to them? There's no way we can do this in the natural. We're not strong enough. We're not big enough. We're, we don't have the resources, what you've asked us to do. We don't have the ability to do this naturally. They needed a supernatural intervention. And I'm saying today, Victory, more than ever before, we need to trust in a supernatural move of God to do what we cannot possibly do. Time of clarity. And I believe our leaders have heard from God, and I believe he's showing them and us, the leadership of Victory, the way for us to move in the future so that we can move together for more. Right? That's our theme. And it can only happen as we trust God, we depend on Him. But today, listen to me, today, today is about a choice. We either look back in fear or we look ahead in faith. Okay? We look at the obstacle in front of us. We look at the enemies out there facing us. And we either tremble and get afraid or we turn to God and we step out in faith going, we don't know how this is going to happen, but you're going to do it. You know, when God worked and he did what he did at the river that day, when they finally crossed, there was no doubt no leader could have done what God just did. It was God who did it. So much so, when the people of Jericho heard about it, they trembled. So, crossing over. Time of clarity. Let's go to verse 3. And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Verse 4. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. That is just under a kilometer. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. Crossing over for them meant there had to be a pursuit of his presence and his power. The Ark of the Covenant, for the people of God, the Ark of the Covenant was literally about the presence of God with them, the power of God among them, and the provisions of God for them. That's what it was about. And listen, in some sermons to come, we're going to be talking about this pursuit of presence and all that that means, but not, we're not unpacking all that today. What we are saying today is this. Their focus in crossing over had to be on God and on His presence. Now, it's an interesting thing. The leaders go through the camp and they say, now you stay nearly a kilometer away from that ark. Now, remember, there are tens of thousands of army and then millions following them. They're all crossing, by the way, not just the army. And they say, stay a kilometer away from it, all the way around that ark. The only ones near it are the priests. Don't touch it. Don't get near it. Now, there's two reasons for that. One is very practical. How many of you know God's, God's pretty practical at times? He says, listen, if all of you crowd the ark, then the people back there aren't going to see it. And they can't focus on it if they don't see it. You'll be blocking their view. Listen, people, people, don't block people's view from the presence of God. Don't do that by the way you live. Don't cause people to not see God because you don't live right. Don't put blockages in the way of the people. They need to see the presence of God. In other words, Paul says, don't be a stumbling block. So keep enough space so that even the people furthest back see the presence and pursue the presence. But there's another reason why. There's a second reason, and here it is. 
as you know, the ark is holy. Remember in the Old Testament, was it Uzziah? They're trying to, David is bringing the ark back to Jerusalem and they've got it on a cart and, and the donkey moves and the cart kind of shifts and stumbles and the ark looks like it's going to fall and Uzziah put his hand on it to try to steady it and he dropped dead. Boom. I've always read that and went, God, he was helping you out here. What are you doing? Let me tell you something. God's presence does not need our help. He'll show up without me helping him. But I don't want to hinder him. Okay? I don't want to block it, but neither do I want to think I've got to make it happen. I don't have to manufacture presence. You know when he's in the room. Right? So, the, the other reason they've got to stay away from that ark is because it's holy. You, they needed to show a reverence and an awe for the presence of God. And so the deal is this. They had to have this passion and this fervency. We're, we're following, we're, we're crossing, and we're doing what you say. We are zealous about this. You know, if you're called a zealot today, it's a dirty thing. We, we use the terms, man, you're a fanatic. I don't know if you've been watching the football lately, but man, they're fanatic in the stands right now. We finally get to go to the football. But it's not, we're, we're called crazy if we're fanatical about God. All fanatical means is I burn in my heart for Him. And, and they had to have this zeal about following Him, which had to come out of desperation. Listen, if you spent 40 years in the wilderness, you'd be desperate to go over. And I'm telling you now, we have spent years and years and years without God tangibly bringing revival to this nation. We need to be desperate for God. And, and can I say today, there is a lack of desperation and reverence for His presence. We live in a day and age where it's so much about the friendliness of God and the friendship of God and the familiarity. He's my mate, like Paul Hogan and Crocodile Dundee. Yeah, me and Jesus, we're mates. Remember the line? Nah, okay. And we treat God like that, the man upstairs. And we got this familiarity. And I want to tell you, a holy fear and an awe of God, it'll prevent us from wanting to go back to, from where we came from. You know why? Because if we go back, we lose what's ahead. We forfeit it. And God will give it to another generation. We need to be zealous. We need to be desperate. We need to be reverent. We have lost the idea of the holiness of God because we just we, we, we saunter into His presence like, yeah, good day, mate. I'm just kind of here to ask you for a few things. Why haven't you given them yet? Yeah. We treat God like that, like He's Father Christmas. Like, come on, I put my list in last year. It didn't show up under the tree. People, we're talking about the God of all gods, the God of creation, the one who speaks a word and world's shift and he wants us to be desperate for him and his presence and people think desperation is a negative thing but I'm here to tell you desperation is a gift that has been taken for granted today I, I can tell you if you went in the outback and you were traveling and your car broke down and you were miles from anything you'd be desperate for water people die out there because they don't have water you would be so desperate you'd go and search everywhere looking for water where is that desperation for the presence of God? Maybe we've just lost a sense of His holiness. We've become too familiar with, with grace, and that's a horrible thing to say because you should never be, grace should never be taken for granted. But we have lost 
the holiness of God. You know what the key phrase is in this section of Scripture? For you have not passed this way before. Keep your eyes on him. Go where he leads. Don't wander in a wilderness again because you're about to go somewhere you've never been to do something you've never done. And victory, here we go. I believe God is about to lead you in a way you've never gone before in your 76 years. Now, I'm not saying it's happening tomorrow. I'm saying it is starting. And I believe you're going to be doing things you have never done. And I get a prophetic sense that this is so and it has begun. Be desperate. Be ready. Be willing. Stand in awe at the presence of God that He trusts you with this. Because He's among you. He is with you. He is for you. Let's go down to verse 5 as we start getting ready to wrap this up. Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Do you know tomorrow for them wasn't just a day. Tomorrow was everything that unfolded after that day. Crossed the river, took Jericho, took other cities, took the land. God was with them. Tomorrow they saw God do things they could have never seen before. I think you ought to have that expectation. God, you're about to do things we've never seen, we've never experienced, we've never been to before. But you know what? What precedes God doing more than they'd seen was an act of dedication. Because God's, you know what he even says, Jesus said this, don't throw your pearl before swine. Isn't that a funny saying? Like, let's say it in modern days. Don't put, ladies, don't put your pearls in front of pigs. I'm not talking about your husband now. Come on. Don't call him that. No, literally, it's like taking a valuable jewel and putting it down there in the pig pen. And you know what he's talking about? Don't take the stuff that's holy and you put it out there in a place that's unclean. That's what we're called to as kingdom people. You know, this stuff is not flippant. This stuff is the word of God that is holy and powerful and calls us to be holy. And it calls for an act of dedication. And here the leader calls the people to dedicate themselves for the new that's coming. This is a pearl. This is a great jewel that I'm trusting you with. It's called a pearl of great price. Don't throw it out there just in the dust for the pigs to walk on it. But you hold it with esteem and reverence and all. And it's interesting. The word that Joshua uses here, sanctify, um, cleanse, dedicate, consecrate. You know that, that original word carries the meaning of this, being set apart from something common to the use of something holy. Okay? He's saying take your lives, not a possession, not one of your talents, but take your very life that's been used for many things that are just ordinary. Step over here and use them for the purposes of God that's holy. Paul said that in Romans 12:1, my favorite verse. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is holy and pleasing to Him. It is your reasonable service. It's only right you do this because you are called to a holy purpose. And Joshua calls the people, all of the people, not just the priests carrying the ark, all of the people, not just the army, all of the people. You know, and you could go, well, you know, I'm not a pastor. 
I'm not on the board. I'm not a ministry leader. Let them dedicate. Uh Uh-uh. All the people. We are in this together. We are all together dedicating ourselves. And I, I, I know the call to all of the people of victory today is to dedicate yourself for this holy cause Don't just live in what's common. Listen, I know, I know, and I'm sorry, here it comes, but so many have just lived in the common for the last six months. You've given up. You've let a pandemic make you go common. Step out of it. Step into the promises. Get ready to cross over by dedicating yourself to this purpose. It's holy. Sorry. Just getting, you know, I think it's time to rise above this and dedicate yourself to pursue his holy cause. God has entrusted victory with something special. That doesn't mean we're the only ones, but we are ones who have our part in the kingdom. And he's entrusted this to us. And our leaders are leading us in the way into this, which is incredible. Now, we do have, we do have. I don't want it to sound like victory's a bunch of deadheads. They're not. Victory's a bunch of great people who are dedicated to this cause. And listen, we've got a video of a couple we want to show you. Um, We kind of want to get ready to close this by a living testimony of a couple who have been dedicated, set apart for the cause that God's called us to for decades. I love this couple and you'll love it when you see them. It'll bring you to tears. It did me and uh, just amazing. Why don't you watch the screen as we uh, listen to Todd and Kerry share their story about being dedicated to uh, the purposes of God at Victory. I'm Todd. Hi, I'm Kerry. I'm married to Todd. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. She is Todd's husband. Yeah. <laughs> Start again, you weirdo. <laughs> weird there'll, be a, there'll be a generation that'll get that joke. In 1990, uh, me and my family moved from Tassie near Hobart up to Newcastle to do a Bible school, Life and Aid, and we used the demountables in Fraser Parade as our meeting spot. So I was on the Victory property and then of course I'm going to the Victory Church and I'm going to the Victory Youth Group. So I was 16 and basically just uh, slid on in. Yeah, so what for me, so 92, I was uh, living in Maitland and got to know uh, a bunch of guys that were part of Victory, who were also part of a band yep. and they were looking for a singer. Um, and I auditioned, and I auditioned at Fraser Parade, and they, they said, yeah, you'll do, because no one else has had a go. Uh, <laughs> it was easier. No, I'm just kidding. I don't so, think that's what they said. No, they didn't say that. But yeah, that's why I started. So I actually came to Victory uh, through a great group of friends who are still friends now. I probably forged the friend, the friend group that I would call lifetime friends. Like, like you know, oh, like, yeah. I hadn't really latched onto a friend group until I came to Victory and, you know, was kind of accepted by those guys, I suppose. So, um, so many great memories from, definitely from youth and growing in through that into young adults and then and then leading young yep. adults for, yep. for a good period of time and seeing that grow and seeing those those young adults pair off and have families of their own True. and things like that. So, I mean, all that sort of stuff, that generational stuff and watching those families now grow, uh, like, it's just, yeah, they're, they're the best memories. They really are. And then we've... Uh done things like Victory School of Ministries, yeah. VSM. Yeah, we did that. And, oh, like missions trips and, mm-hmm. oh, so many things. Coming to Victory, being part of Victory it has opened up so many doors and so many opportunities. There's so many things I would never have done, except that someone said, hey, we need someone to do whatever. And I'm like, well, I'll try. <laughs> and so it's like, you know, so many ministries that I'm a part of, it's just like, well, okay, I'll give it a whirl. Like signing for the deaf and kids ministry and, 
um, like heading up drama yeah, yeah. and just whatever's happening really. Dress, dressing as a clown, um, <laughs> being a puppet, that's always been interesting, things like that. <laughs> it's, it's amazing what you'll turn your hand to when your heart's in something. That's for this sure. is true, yeah. this is true. Yeah. At Victory, we're in the community, we're doing things for the community, yeah. we're connecting with people, helping people. Like the stories that we hear about ministries at Victory and the connections that they've made and the people that they've helped, mm. uh, it's something that I want to be a part of, it's something that I want to sow into. It's it's a worthwhile investment and also when you're giving into what God is doing you're you're part of his plan you're part of his purpose yeah and seeing things fulfilled yeah. and seeing doors opened that wouldn't otherwise yeah. and that's definitely something that we want to invest into yeah it almost feels like as as we come together now um, you know when circumstance allows us to come physically mm -hmm. together but as we come together because it does we don't have to physically be together to be together yeah um, it's almost like we get to look at everything that church is and why we do church and what what is involved in our in our faith and our belief in church and, and re-inject that fresh it's almost like it's a it's a it's a clean start for us as a whole as victory and uh, you know there'll yeah. be cause core values that we never lose but you know we, we can come to that now and go hey you know what i've this is me i'm todd i'm the worship guy but yet yeah, that's a thing i do it's not who i am and um, you know that allows me to go. Okay, well, let me look at what Victory's doing. Can I do that? Can I can I help there? Can I sew myself into this? Can I can I be challenged in something different? So I, I look at it and it feels new. Yeah, it's, it's I think what I'm trying to say, and yeah. that excites me. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I get a birthday coming up next year, and it's got a five and a zero. <laughs> and, and, um, and and legacy's been important. It's been a, it's been a bit of a process in, in a lot of ways in in, in my worship um, experience and. In you know handing that off and, and and passing that on and stuff like that. Not that I'm finishing, just so you know. Um, <laughs> I'll go. I'll go till they kick me out. Uh, but legacy is important because it's 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 um, it's not just like what will those people at Victory leave for my children. It's like I, I'm Victory, so it's yeah. like what will I leave for my children and other know? people's children. Absolutely, you know, it's, and people it's, who aren't our children. Yeah. You know? So what I hope that Victory has for my children is um, a continuation of all that. Um, and a continuation of this, this vision that reaches a local community and beyond that. I came to Victory when I was 16 and that's the age that Levi is now. <laughs> and I got engaged to Todd when I was 18 and that's the age that Gabby is now. So what I hope <laughs> for my kids is that they have some of and more of what I have found at Victory, which is amazing friends, um, amazing support through hard times, Yeah, <laughs> and that, and that, and that right there. Um, there's a, a, a what's well, a series of books, but a favourite movie of mine called Master and Commander. And in that, there's a bit of dialogue where they talk about the captain, and there's two of the sailors talking about the captain, and they say the captain says there's enough of his own blood, sweat, and tears in this vessel to to call it family, and that's how I think of victory. There's enough of me in victory for it to be family, no matter what it looks like, no matter where it is, no matter how it's meeting. It's just family. That's yep. who we are. It's, it's part of us and we're part of it. And that's how we feel. Yeah. <laughs>